Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. And I didn't realize right until before we said the Lord's Prayer that I forgot to put verse 31 on the screen. So, I'll read verse 31. Thank you, son. And you have to take my word for it unless you have a Bible there with you. So I tell people, anytime a preacher says, take my word for it, you need to make sure you open up the Bible and not take his word for it, right? Matthew 5, verse 31 says, It was also said, whoever puts away his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. Now that's not how it reads in my HCSB. And... That's because the HCSB, I believe, is incorrect here in this verse. Uh, This is going to be a series of lessons that's going to encourage us not to tie ourselves down to one version of the Bible um, and think that that version is the end-all and tell-all. So once again, Matthew 5.31, It was also said, Whoever puts away his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. Verse 32 is on the screen from the American Standard Version. It basically reads this same way in the Dewey Rames Version, the World English Bible, the Darby Translation, and Young's Literal Translation all basically say this, But I say unto you that everyone that putteth away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, maketh her an adulteress. And whosoever shall marry her when she is put away, committeth adultery. Now, Matthew 5.32 in the NIV New International Version, New Living Translation, English Standard Version, New American Standard Bible, and New King James Version says, But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's going to be our base text for this month, this moon, this month, and we're going to cover this topic in a lot of detail. Yahweh, bless Your Word to our hearts today. Help us to understand more than we've ever understood. Develop our understanding. Increase our knowledge. Give us wisdom. We don't want to believe anything incorrect and thereby make us practice anything incorrect. Help us to believe what is accurate so that we can do Your will with our whole heart and it will be according to Your truth. Through your holy child, Yeshua, I pray. Amen. Did you notice that there is a difference in the two translations on the screen? And the difference is actually huge. It's small in word or in scope, but the ramifications of the difference are huge. This difference has caused countless people to think a certain way about divorce and remarriage and promote what I believe to be a false doctrine on a very large denominational scale. Now this is due to one, a mistranslation here, I believe, in the New International Version and those that are like it. But not only that, number two, an ignorance or a setting aside of the law or the instruction that Yahweh gave through Prophet Moses. So we'll begin a new series today about marriage, divorce, and remarriage This is the next section in our study through the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going to deal with it and deal with it seriously and precisely. It has been, I went back and looked, it has been about 10 years 
since I spoke on this topic. And my understanding has developed and increased in the last 10 years. And I hope my understanding continues to develop and increase in the next 10 years. I don't want to remain stagnant and I don't want Yahweh to leave me behind. I want Him to continue to work on my brain and on my heart. So, it is not just being from study that my understanding has increased and developed, but it has also been from dealing with firsthand dealing with people and dealing with situations in marriage. That comes along with being a pastor. With time, generally comes wisdom. At least that's how it's supposed to happen. The longer that you serve Yahweh, in general, I speak from the stance of a pastor or an elder, the longer you serve Yahweh as a pastor, the more intelligent that you should become in the Spirit and the more intelligent you should become in how to handle situations that arise by Holy Scripture, with Holy Scripture. When I was younger and I had not been through much in my life, I had a lot of zeal, but some of it was not according to knowledge. Some people grow up in the flesh, but they never grow up in the Spirit. Some people never stop using the Bible like a hammer, trying to nail down every person that they meet. That's not the way to treat the Bible, brothers and sisters. That is not the way to treat the Bible. It's not the way to treat other people. And it's not the way to treat this particular subject at hand. Thankfully, Yahweh in His mercy had long-suffering on me and began to teach me the depths of the fruit of the Spirit. And I am very glad that He was patient with me. And He has shown me many times during the day, sometimes in dreams, Matthew, if I have been patient with you, I want you to be just as patient with other people. That is not easy. But I'm learning that, and Yahweh is teaching and training me that. There is a difficulty in teaching this subject. There's a difficulty in teaching all subjects, but I want to talk about this one in general. Let me share with you some of the difficulty that I face as a pastor teaching on this issue or issues from the Scriptures in general. Whenever I teach, I run the risk of any person in here thinking that I am talking specifically about you. You hear Brother Matthew teach and you go home and you grumble and you say, that message was directed strictly towards me. Now, if you listen to me teach and something hits you and you feel conviction, then you need to receive that. You don't need to fight that. You need to receive that. You need to let the Word cut you so that the Spirit can heal you. Every message that I teach should deal with every person in some way. Some sentence. That's what we are here for. My job is not to make you all feel comfortable in where you are at currently. My job is not to help you to remain stagnant and not continue to grow in both wisdom and knowledge and even in grace. That is not my job. Part of my job is to comfort. But my job is also to teach and to exhort and to rebuke where needed. I believe this is best done by just teaching through the Bible. I think that's the best way that this is accomplished. There is no need for me to come up with sermons on my own. There is several lifetimes worth of sermons in this Bible if I just stay devoted to teaching the text of Scripture. That's what we've been doing for the last several weeks in 
the Sermon on the Mount, as it is so called, where Yeshua sat down and taught the people, the crowds, His disciples. My concern, though, is that when I do this, that I run the risk of people thinking that I crafted a sermon just for them. And I want you to know that I don't ever do that. I never see one of you and think, well, I know what I'm going to teach on next week. Bless God. (laughs) I never think that. I've seen preachers see someone, let's say, walk into the church while they're preaching. I've actually seen this happen. Somebody walks into the church while they're preaching, and maybe they're dressed immodestly. And all of a sudden, their sermon changes directed towards immodesty. Now, I believe in modesty. I teach modesty. But if my message is on the Sabbath, or if my message on the Sabbath day is, let's say, Exodus chapter 25 and the construction of the tabernacle, and I see a person walk in the assembly dressed immodestly, I'm not going to change my message. Yahweh can touch anyone through any message that is taught from Holy Scripture. So I never look, that's just one example, but I never look at all of you and decide who I'm going to preach at next week. I think that would be a work of the flesh and not a work of the Spirit. I just preach the Word. If it hits you, if it convicts you, that's great. If you're a genuine believer, you will want to increase your level of understanding and holiness in the instructions of Yahweh. If you're genuine, you will. But think about this subject at hand. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. When I teach on this subject, I have so many people listening who come from different walks of life. Not just in here, in this local community, this local congregation but listening by way of telephone, Facebook, later on YouTube, on a podcast, 20 years from now, different people are going to hear the lesson. First off, I have happily married couples that are listening to me preach. Couples that are devoted to Yahweh and each other. And when I preach, I want those couples to be encouraged and continue on in their marriage. I want them to know that Yahweh's design for marriage is to find a spouse, get married, and stay married until death do you part. Love Yahweh. Love each other. Be faithful. Serve one another. That's the message that I want these couples to hear. But I don't just preach to people like that. I preach to people who are married but are struggling. And what about the couples who are not happily married? Is the message still the same? Well, in one sense, yes, the message is the same. But my words come across differently to these couples. These couples may know the Scriptures, but they need help. They don't just need to hear, be happy, stay with your spouse till death, period. (laughs) They need to hear wise counsel. They need to hear how to do better at being a good husband and a good wife. They need to be shown love by a shepherd. And my job is to be aware that there are people like this who are also listening to me teach. Happily married people and people who are married yet are struggling in their marriage. But that's not all. Number three is you have some people that are involved in a bad marriage. I know this because people have come to me over the years involved in a bad marriage. Some people will hear this lesson and have a spouse who is cheating on them. 
Or maybe the wife is being physically or mentally abused constantly by her husband. Maybe the husband is trying to work out things with the wife, but she never comes home because she has a boyfriend on the side. I have to speak to people in these situations too. These people hear me different. They ask questions like, Brother Matthew, am I required to stay with someone who has given up on our marriage? Am I supposed just to kneel down and pray for the next five years while I get treated like dirt? These are actual questions that I've been asked. These are real questions. I get tons of questions by text, email, messenger, in person, telephone. People are hurting and they're looking for a man of Yahweh to help them. Then, there are divorced people. This is another category of people who will hear these sermons There are single people that are sitting in churches all across the world who are single because they've been divorced. Maybe the divorce wasn't their fault. Maybe it was. Whatever the case may be, I have to handle these people differently. I have to go as a shepherd to these sheep and talk to them in a different way, in a certain way. I don't want them to feel like an outcast. I don't want them to feel like there's no hope for them. I don't want someone who has been hurt by a sinner, let's say, to turn around and be hurt by a saint. I know some people that have a hard time even going to church because they've been hurt by saints. They've been mistreated by Christians. They've been talked wrongly to by people that are supposed to be people of faith. I don't want that to happen here. I don't want that to happen in my relationship with these people. Then there are people who are divorced and remarried. This is a fifth category that I have to deal with. We have some here in this church. I have to speak to these people too. There are people who are happily married in Yahweh and serve Yahweh together who have previously been divorced and now remarried. I speak to these people too. And I have to remember that these people agree with me on the permanence and the sacredness of marriage. And oftentimes I've had people tell me, Brother Matthew, I wished that I could have found Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright to begin with. But it didn't work out that way for me. They are serving Yahweh now, but it just didn't happen sooner. I have to remember not to make these people feel second class or downtrodden as well. And then, there are people who are married, but they want out for the wrong reasons. I've talked with a lot of people like this. They're just tired. They've fallen out of love because they haven't put in the effort or stoked the fires of marriage. I don't want my sermons to sound like I'm giving them an easy way out or a free ticket to do what they want to do. I want sinners, unrepentant sinners, to be convicted when I preach, not feel emboldened to continue on in their hatred of Yahweh's holy ways. If a marriage can be mended, I believe Yahweh wants it to be mended, even if it's difficult. But that's not all of the categories. There's yet another one. And that is... These people often get left out. Single people. What about the single people in the church that have just remained single because they never found anybody or maybe they didn't want to get married? I know a man personally, he's a personal friend of mine, 
He is a holy man. He is in his late 70s. And he has never been married. I have to remember him too when I preach. Or it could be a female in the church like this. When I preach on the beauty of marriage, I don't want to make that single man or that single woman feel like less of a person because they never got married. I think a lot of times us Christians, when we see people that are not married and maybe they're growing older in life, the first thing we want to ask them is, when are you getting married? Have you found anybody to marry yet? When in reality, singleness is also a gift from the Creator. Yeshua said in Matthew 19 verse 12 that there are some men who made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. The Apostle Paul talks about singleness and certain situations can be a blessing. I believe there was a present distress going around in the Apostle Paul's day and he told them that in some cases, yes, it will be better to be single because if you have to flee persecution, you can flee a lot easier. He's not saying anything against being married like some anti-Paul people want to think. He's just saying that, look, there are some times when singleness is best. So I don't want single people to feel like they're second class. I don't want them to feel less because they never got married. You don't have to get married to serve the Creator. Some people are gifted with singleness. I preach to and I love these people as well. And then, kind of like an offshoot of this category is single younger people, and maybe even older people as well, who are wanting to get married. I have to preach to them too. These people need to know how to pursue uh, a husband or a wife. Uh, They need to know how that the person that you choose to marry, that is the second most important decision you will ever make in your whole life. Next to service to Yahweh, the second most important decision will be, who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? Because when a single person enters into marriage, they need not to enter in thinking, well, it's okay, if it doesn't work out, eh, I can just throw them to the side. That's not the way to approach marriage. You are to approach marriage as a serious thing. You are not to get involved with somebody unless you are seriously wanting to spend the rest of your life with them as a single person. You need to know how to respect. Young men need to know how to respect young women. Young women need to know how to respect young men. So I teach to all of these people. And my point is that when I teach on a subject like this, I have to have all of these people in mind. And it is not Easy. It's difficult. Because I don't want one thing that I say to one group be taken out of context by another group, so forth and so on. So I mentioned about eight groups and all. I use my words carefully. I try very hard to come across properly. It's not easy. It's not easy to become all things to all people as a preacher. I told my wife the other day, we were laying there in bed before we went to sleep, I think it was, I looked over at her and I said, I wish I wasn't important. (laughs) I'm tired of being an important person. (laughs) And she laughed and we laughed and I was just letting off some stress. Sometimes it's hard being an important person in all aspects of life. Being, Being the one that everybody goes to in the natural and in the spiritual. In natural things and in spiritual things. 
Not complaining. Just venting a little bit. Letting off some stress. We all do it, right? And you need to know that just because somebody's a pastor doesn't make them any different. But this is where Yahweh has put me. And so I don't grow weary in well-doing. And I keep pressing on. And wherever Yahweh's placed you in life, you keep pressing on. One big thing that will help you to keep pressing on is what we're doing right now in this holy convocation. This means so much more than you could ever imagine here at the synagogue, at the assembly. This it means so much in your relationship to Yahweh. This is your community right here. This is our friends. This is my friends. I don't have any friends, really, outside of you. Outside of this community. I'd be friendly to everybody. The Scripture says if you want to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. I'd be friendly to everybody. I'm talking about close friends are right here. This is it. This is what's going to keep you thriving. Not just living for Yahweh, but thriving for Yahweh right here. I know you might get tired of listening to me preach sometimes. I get tired of listening to myself preach sometimes. I always love it when Brother Jerry or Brother TJ or I get to hear anybody else teach the Bible. But this is where Yahweh has put me. I really believe that. I believe Yahweh has hand-picked me for this purpose to be right here until He takes me away. And this community of believers is where Yahweh has put you. This is what's going to make you go to the next level and the next level and the next level. It's going to be a big help Huge help in your life and your walk with Yahweh. So it's not easy, going back to what I'm saying, it's not easy to become all things to all people as a pastor. There is not a cheat sheet that I pull out of my back pocket that has a list of the answers to all the questions when I talk to people. So what about this, Brother Matthew? Pull the cheat sheet out, look, give them the answer. That doesn't work. There's not one pat answer for everybody because everybody is different. Everybody's at a different place, a different walk. Different things have happened to them to lead up to where they are now. And I have to be cognizant of all of that. You have to listen to people. You have to deal with each person or each couple uniquely. Now, there is a sad state of affairs in the church. And what I mean by that is this. There was a time when people went to church, went to fellowship, went to assemble. And they heard the truth and they wept over their sins and they did something about it. Today, people go to church, hear a motivational talk, ignore their sins, and do nothing for the kingdom. That is a sad state of the church today. Sermons like the one I'm teaching today, a sermon series like this generally never gets talked about. It's few and far between. Many churches today just have motivational speeches for the most part. No different than watching Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil. You can hear the same thing when you go to many churches in the world. They are no different than going to a ball game, watching a self-help talk show. Churches a lot of times are designed to be like Disney World or to be like a movie. One brother in the faith, good brother, Not long ago, he told me that he used to go to a church where when you entered in, you got popcorn and Coke before you sat down. And the sermon was centered around the current popular movie of the day. Christians don't know the Bible. This is true for the most part. But it's not just because they don't study. But it's because the church that they go to doesn't teach the Bible. The pastor commits spiritual malpractice. So... 
Marriage is under attack today. I believe marriage has been under attack for thousands of years. It has been under attack since that old serpent slithered into the Garden of Eden. A good, righteous marriage that produces good children and then produces more righteous marriages and more good children and then more righteous marriages and more good children. That is under attack because that is one of the best ways that Yahweh's will continues to be accomplished on this earth is with strong marriages, strong families, producing more strong marriages and more strong families. Men and women who are devoted together raise their family under the banner of the instructions of Yahweh. The adversary hates that. So it gets attacked. The enemy thinks that he can destroy marriages and families. And if he can do that, he thinks he can destroy Yahweh. Now, we know that Yahweh cannot be destroyed. We've read about the coming kingdom of Yahweh. and We know what Yahweh did through His Son Yeshua, bruised the head of that old serpent. But He still roams throughout the earth and He is waiting and ready to attack service to the Almighty. Oftentimes, He does it through unholy influence, certain television shows, certain movies, certain music, certain humanistic ideas, certain atheistic ideas, and certain worldly agendas. These are some of the ways that the enemy attacks people and marriages. The world does not love Yahweh. The world says that they have love, but their love is a facade. The only love that exists is to fear Yahweh and to keep His commandments. That's the only definition of love is to keep the commandments of Yahweh. Anything that calls itself love that falls outside of the commandments of Yahweh is not true love. Let me say that again. Anything that the world calls love but it falls outside of the commandments of Yahweh is not true love. It's not at all. True love always falls under the umbrella of Yahweh's commands. So the enemy wants to destroy holy marriages, but each day that us husbands and wives wake up, kiss each other, tell each other I love you, and serve one another. Each day that we do that, we fight the enemy. Every day that a man loves his wife as the Messiah loved the assembly and gave himself for her, he fights the enemy. Every day that a woman submits to her husband as the assembly submits to the Messiah, she fights the enemy. When a husband and a wife love each other and care for each other and they walk through a store holding hands and smiling because they are one in love with Yahweh and two in love with each other, the enemy weakens. Righteousness is fed And the enemy is starved when that happens. The ways of this unrighteous world weaken. Holy marriage is a big giant flashlight in this dark world in which we live. It only takes a small light to be seen in a dark room. But righteous marriage is a huge light. And it's tremendously a good influence in this world. Yahweh promotes marriage. Yahweh loves marriage. Yahweh loves little babies. Yahweh promotes that. And therefore, I promote it as His messenger. And I want the marriages in this assembly to be strong and influential to those who are outside of these walls. I want people to see us not just living 
but thriving. I want to be an example to others of how marriage and family should be. You will not be perfect. Yahweh doesn't expect you to be flawless. With Yahweh's help, even though you are not perfect, you will be righteous. You will make mistakes, but that's part of life. That's how we learn. By making mistakes and correcting them. When we make a mistake or we commit a sin, we should be quick to ask for forgiveness, quick to repent, quick to strive to do better. We're here to pick each other up, not to tear each other down. If you see a brother or a sister falling, reach out to them to pick them up and to dust them off and to help them. That should be the first step to help them. Not to put them out of the church, not to tell them leave and never come back, not to treat them like they're an outcast or second class, but to say, I'm here to help. Let me help you back up on your feet and I'll walk beside you for a little while until you get back going again and you can live life again in the righteousness of Yahweh. That's what we should be doing. So as I close today, please bear with me as I teach these sermons. Everything that I say may not be specifically for you, but I want you to realize that someone in here or someone out there needs to hear everything or something in the everything. And when you pray, pray for me. Pray for Brother Matthew. Pray for me to be kind yet firm at the same time. Pray for me to be gentle yet to the point at the same time. That's a hard one. To be kind yet firm, gentle yet to the point. I believe it's possible, but it's difficult. Above all, pray that Yahweh's law on this subject is understood properly. This subject has been grossly misunderstood in the church world. But pray that Yahweh's law is understood properly. Pray that marriage is promoted. And pray that some people feel the weight of bad years or the weight of years of bad doctrine lifted off of their shoulders through these sermons. Next week, I think I'm going to center in on the marriage aspect of this series. The week after that, we'll talk about divorce. And then maybe the week after that, we'll talk about remarriage. I love everybody in here. I'll continue this next week. I'm going to have a word of prayer and then we'll do our testimony and prayer request service. Almighty Yahweh, thank You for a desire. Yahweh Father, help us to be different. Help us to shine our light so that others may see our good works and glorify You. I pray that you would make the men and the women and the children in this assembly strong. I pray that you would make the marriages in this assembly strong. I pray, Yahweh, that the little children, the little babies, the little children walking around, running around, I pray, Yahweh, that they would see something different here than they see in the world. Help us, Yahweh. Help the husbands to love their wives. And help the wives to love their husbands. I pray, Yahweh, that You would stir up a fire within us of love for our spouse.
through Yeshua, I pray. Amen.